0: You're listening to the Mount Pleasant Podcast. To learn more about our church, visit us online at www.mpbc.church. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Turning your Bibles this morning to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. As Savannah said, we are beginning our new sermon series today, The Power of Faith. You know, it takes faith to do what that guy's doing. That's a mighty leap. Will he make it to the other side? Faith. I believe, and I, I'm, I'm serious when I say this, this could be one of the most important sermon series I've ever attempted to preach here at this church. Fourteen and a half years of preaching. And this could be one of the most important series. And the reason I say that is because of this. Faith is the backbone and the essence of what we say we believe. In other words, it takes faith to be saved. Think about that. The Bible says, for by grace you are saved through faith. Indeed, faith in Jesus has the power to take our spirit from this earth at our death to heaven. Think about that. That is the power of faith, that, that when I die, that God, if I place my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, will take my spirit from my body, transport it through the atmosphere right into the halls of heaven. That's power, and that's faith. This morning we begin our series by asking the question, what is faith? We're going to seek to answer that today as we look at what is often called by Bible scholars the chapter 11 here, the hall of faith. Throughout this chapter we're going to see literally going all the way back to the first family, back to Abel as we'll see next week, people who lived by faith. In fact that little phrase by faith, if you look at it in your Bible in Hebrews chapter 11, by faith is listed 19 times. It's pretty important. By faith. By faith. By faith. We're going to look now at the first three verses. Have you made your way there? Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word, notice that, by the Word of God. So that what is seen was not made out of things that are invisible. Now you might think that what we read there is a definition of faith, but it's not really a definition, it's more about what faith does. Maybe to understand what faith is, we need to talk about what faith is and what faith isn't. Listen carefully. Faith is not blind. We're not talking about blind faith when we speak of biblical faith. We're not talking about some leap of faith in the dark. That's not biblical faith. We're not talking about blind optimism. We're not talking about some sort of hope-so kind of feeling. We're talking about biblical faith. And what is more, when we speak of biblical faith, we're not even necessarily talking about just an intellectual assent to a bunch of Christian doctrines. It's not just believing in something in spite of the evidence because that would be superstition. Biblical faith, what is it? I love Warren Wiersbe. Warren Wiersbe, one of my favorite Bible commentators. I've got his New Testament commentary, and he just died May the 2nd, 89 years old, and I love, but here's here's how Wiersbe describes faith based on Hebrews 1 or 11:1 here take a look at the screens true biblical faith Wiersbe says is confident obedience to God's word in spite of circumstances and consequences we trust his word and act on it no matter what the circumstances are or what the consequences may be The circumstances might seem impossible and the consequences frightening and unknown. But we obey God's Word just the same and believe Him to do what is right and what is best. Faith is not some feeling we manufacture. Faith is only as good as its object and the object of our faith is God. Therefore, faith is having trust in what God has revealed in his word by way of his promises that will never fail. Isn't that a great quote? Wiersbe's right. Faith is only as good as its object. Let me ask you something. Speaking of faith, do you have faith in me? Do you have faith in me as one of your pastors that I'll do what I tell you I'll do. Sir, do you have faith in your wife? Ma'am, do you have faith in your husband? Faith. Do you have faith in your doctor? If you don't, I'd get another one, right? Hey, do you have faith in your favorite restaurant? Yes, you do. you have faith that what they're bringing out of the kitchen is not going to poison you when it gets to your table? The same thing about your water company. You turn on your spigot and take water and drink it, and you're by faith taking that the water company's not messed something up. Some of you are old like me and remember years ago, Tylenol. You know, you take Tylenol for a headache. You remember when they had to pull Tylenol off the shelf? Something was messed up with the Tylenol mix in the factory, and they pulled it off the shelf. Faith. I mean, we've got faith. You've got faith in drinking a can of Mountain Dew, right? We have faith in a lot of things. You know, every time I get on an airplane, no joke, I pray for the pilot, be that man or that woman, because I have no idea who they are, and I'm placing my eternal life into their hands, and I'm flying in an aluminum tube. Faith. Think about this from the perspective of a Christian. Think about this as a follower of Jesus. Are you a follower of Jesus today? Then you've done so by faith because you've placed your eternal soul into the hands of someone that you've never seen with your eyes by faith. You know, I think about old Thomas. You remember Thomas? He's been given a bad rap. They call him Doubting Thomas. But you remember Thomas wasn't there when Jesus rose from the dead when Jesus uh, resurrected, but he was a week later in the upper room. But do you remember what old Thomas said? Thomas said, I tell you what, I won't believe it until what? Until I see it. I see his hands. I lay my eyes on him. And you know, Jesus gave him exactly what he asked for, because a week after his resurrection, Jesus appeared again in the upper room, and old Thomas was there, and the Bible records in John 20 these words. Jesus said to Thomas, Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put your hand out and place it in my side you know that spear wound where they where they stabbed Jesus to make sure he was dead he said to Thomas do not disbelieve but believe that's faith believe Thomas answered him my Lord and my God oh he called him God did you, you catch that there because Jesus is God you do understand that don't you I tell you this, I've told you this before. People say all the time, well, prove to me there is a God. It's today's date. What is today's date? May 26, 2019. From what? From the birth of Jesus. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. Thomas was right. He said, You are God. Jesus came to this earth representing God. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. How do I know God exists? Because Jesus exists. And when you write down today's date, you acknowledge that Jesus existed. Therefore, God exists. How about that? You know what Jesus said? He said, Thomas, verse 29. He said, have you believed because you've seen me? He said, blessed, Jesus did, are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Who's that speaking of? Us. Us. Faith. No, it's not blind faith. It's faith based on evidence. Evidence. We have the evidence, the historicity of who Jesus is. We also have his word. His word. This is the revelation of who Jesus Christ is. Did you know in this book that there's never been a A single date, place, time, person, or event that's been ever disproved? Never. Did you know they've done over 30,000 archaeological digs in Israel, the, the Holy Land, and every time they do a dig, they continue to find the veracity and the truthfulness and the reliability of the Bible continues on and on. And it will always be that way. They'll never uncover anything that ever disproves the Bible because this is God's Word. Theonoustos, God breathed it into man and gave it to us, the revelation of who He is to us. We also have another evidence. We have the Holy Spirit because when you by faith confessed your sins and invited Jesus by faith into your life, the Holy Spirit came to reside inside of you. And the Bible says in Romans 8 that his spirit, God's spirit, bears witness with your spirit. Does that happen from time to time? From time to time, you sense the presence of God. You sense his spirit bearing witness with your spirit saying, I've got you. It's going to be okay. Maybe sometimes you sense the Holy Spirit as he tells you to do something. Or maybe he, he encourages you to pull back. Jesus said, my sheep know me and they hear my voice. We can trust the historicity of Jesus. We can trust his word. We can trust the Holy Spirit. Did you know that at this very moment that your faith is growing I want you to see a quote by Charles Haddon Spurgeon. I love Spurgeon, the 18th century pastor, the theologian. Spurgeon said this. He said, faith is laying hold of Jesus. It is not something mysterious at all. It is that which looks to the Lord Jesus and the evidence of what he did by his death, burial, and resurrection. At this moment, you're hearing about Jesus And did you know the Bible says that something's happening to you? Your faith is growing. So where do you get that? Romans 10, 17. See the screens? The Bible says, you know this. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ. That little phrase there at the end, through the Word of Christ, can also be translated through a message about Jesus. So faith comes from hearing a message about Jesus. So right now, your faith is growing. It's kind of like this. Take a look at the picture. You are the red balloon, and I am the pump. And I, through the Holy Spirit, I hope, is pumping faith air into your balloon. So your faith is growing by being here. So listen to me. When you go through a hard time in your life, not if, but when you go through a hard time, the last place you need to abandon is the church. The last place you need to abandon is coming and hearing the Word of God, because when you do, your balloon of faith goes down. Yes, Satan will tell you, no, don't go to church. You're going through a bad time. Don't read your Bible. Don't pray. Don't listen to Christian music. Walk away from it. Because if he can get you to walk away, then he'll get you to a place that your balloon has just shrunk to nothing. But when you come and you sit in the presence of God and you hear the Word of God, your faith grows. Now, tell me, how many times have you come to church and you didn't feel like coming to church, but you walked out of here saying, man, I'm glad I came? That's because your faith was increasing. (laughs) Whoosh, 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 Faith comes by hearing and hearing a message about Jesus. So today your faith is growing and I'm grateful. You need to be here. This is verse 1. Verse 1 is not about blind faith. It's not a leap of faith. It is reason-informed faith. Here it is. See it again. Now, faith is the assurance. Notice that word, assurance of things hoped for. Notice the second word, the conviction of things not seen. I want to focus on those two words, assurance and conviction. Let's go with the first word, assurance. The Greek word for assurance is this. Take a look at this. Some builder, tell me what this is. What is that? That's a foundation, and they're backfilling around the foundation. So, if that's the Greek word for assurance, we could read Hebrews 11, one this way. Now, faith is the foundation of the things we hope for. That is the foundation. Because how good is a house if the foundation is poor? It's, it's worthless. Now, take a look at this next picture. Tell me how strong this house is. <laughs> Man, look at those pylons. Man, that house ain't going anywhere. Why? Because its foundation is so strong faith is our foundation faith is assurance now think with me in the context of the hebrews think about we're reading we're hebrews 11 now who are these people these are first century jews that have given their lives to jesus and up to that point up to this point in their lives what has been their foundation this place you say what is that that's the temple Everything that they believed and they trusted in resided in that temple. The high priest, the Ten Commandments were in the Ark of the Covenant, which is in the Holy of Holies, where the high priest went once a year taking an animal sacrifice in there, right? That was their foundation. Now think about this. If you're one of those first century believers, now you're being told, Chuck all of that. Get rid of all of that. You don't ever need to go to the temple anymore. You don't ever have to take a lamb anymore to the high priest. You don't ever have to do all these washings and all these ceremonial cleansings anymore. That's over. And it's like, oh my. It's like, Some folks that kind of got a little tore out of their frame when we went to just a one-page bulletin. What are we doing? I'm so used to a four-page bulletin. (laughs) I get that. I do. And I'm not making light of that. I'm just saying sometimes when things change, especially the older you get, the older you get, the less you're going to like change. Can you imagine? Can you imagine these first-century Jews? Everything that they've ever known has now changed. And now they're told what? You don't have to go to a high priest, not a man because you have a faithful high priest, one who that you don't have to take a lamb to to sacrifice, but the actual lamb of God, Jesus himself came, and it wasn't the blood, it wasn't the blood of a of a lamb, it was the blood of Jesus that saves us. And so this is what we talked about last week. And you go, I have no clue what we talked about. We had communion, remember? Remember? We had the Lord's Supper. Remember, that's the broken bread, Jesus' broken body, his His blood shed for us. And so this is what is being shared with these Hebrews. This is now who you look to. You don't look to a religion. You look to a person. You look to Jesus. Religion is man's way trying to get to God. Christianity is God coming to us. Emmanuel, God with us. It was a huge change for those first century believers. And they were struggling, perhaps, because they had taken what God had given to them and made it a works based system. And it was never intended to be a works based system, it's always a faith based system. By grace, are you saved? of faith not of works but judaism had turned into a works-based system how has god chosen to save always now think with me a second let's think about heaven right now is moses there this is yes this is no is moses in heaven Yes, you say, well, okay, yeah, Moses is in heaven, he's in paradise, which is the third heaven, which is the domain of God, he's there. I could take you to different passages, but trust me, right? Is Noah in heaven? King David? Queen Esther? Who are all these people? Old Testament saints. Well, how did they get saved? They came before Jesus by faith, I want to show this to you. Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 4. And I'm going to show it to you. You're going back to the left. I'm going to show it to you by way of the head guy on their Mount Rushmore. The father of their faith. Who is that? Abraham. Yep, Abraham. And I want to show you that even Abraham was saved by faith. Whether it's Old Covenant or New Covenant, you're saved, if I can use that term, even in the Old Testament, by way of faith. You're turning to Romans chapter 4, and I want you to see this. You might learn something here you didn't know, because I'll be honest with you. I've read Romans many, many times, but I I had missed what I'm getting ready to read to you. Maybe you have too. Maybe you're smarter than I am. But but when it comes to Abraham and works, watch this play out now. Romans 4, verse 1. Follow along. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham? This is their head guy, our forefather, according to the flesh. In other words, what did he do in his own power? For if Abraham was justified, another word you could use there, a good translation would be, for if Abraham was saved by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. Remember what the Bible says. We're saved by faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. If Abraham could boast about what he had done, then it would have been something that he had done, not God had done. Now watch verse 3. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, their salvation. Abraham believed. He believed. Now, here's the part that jumped out at me as I was reading this. Jump down to verse 9. See this. Is this blessing, what blessing? Salvation. If this salvation is then only for the circumcised, because remember after Abraham was chosen by God and through him was going to come his son, the Lord Jesus, and and so the ancestry would be traced back to Abraham, they would then circumcise all their males, right? That that was the sign that they were part of the Jewish family, right? So watch this. If this blessing then is only for the circumcised, or, or is it also for the uncircumcised? Is this just a national thing? Remember, the Jews struggled with this. Remember the Apostle Paul on his second missionary journey? He gets back to Jerusalem, and he starts telling them that Gentiles are being saved all all up in Asia Minor. And And the Jews are going, what? They're not circumcised. They're not one of us. This is not a national thing here. Watch this. Watch this play out. We're talking about faith now. For we say, verse 9, that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? When was Abraham's faith credited to him? Was it before or after he was circumcised? See, I would have said after. But it was, see it? But it was not after, but before he was circumcised. And that's the way it should be. Because if, it, if, if his faith was credited to him after his circumcision, then Abraham could have said, I had part in it. But he had no part in it. Verse 11, he received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had how? By faith while he was still uncircumcised. You see, it's faith that's the key. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe, not just the Jews, without being circumcised. So that the righteousness would be counted to them as well. And to make him the father of the circumcised, who are not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. So how were you saved in the Old Testament? By faith. By faith. Same as the New Testament. We're saved by faith. By faith. Salvation doesn't come by works. It's never come by works. Now go back to Hebrews 11. That's the word assurance. That is our foundation. Our foundation is faith. And now we come to the second word, conviction. Hebrews 11:1. 1. Now faith is the foundation of things that we hope for. The conviction of things not seen. The word conviction there in the Greek means something that is proved or tested. Think about it regarding a court of law. Think about it that way. You can't be convicted in a court of law without evidence, or you shouldn't be, right? There should be evidence to convict. And you and I can't be convicted or convinced about something unless we've tested or proved it in some way. Like like you have a strong conviction about something. And I want to tell you what I am strongly convicted of this morning. Duke's mayonnaise. I mean big time. I am convicted. That is the best mayonnaise known to man. And I'm telling you, don't give me Kraft. Don't give me Hellman's. That stuff's junk. I want Duke's. And when my tomato plants produce in about three more, four more weeks, I'm going to slap me some mayonnaise on some bread and have me a good old Mater sandwich with Duke's mayonnaise because I am convicted. And some of you are going, you have lost your mind. No, I haven't. Because when I see my wife sneak in a can of Hellman's and she's putting it in slaw, we have a big old family gathering. She, I said, what are you doing? She says, it's cheaper, honey. I saved some money. Oh, my goodness. That's a waste of cabbage. You got to put dukes in that. Spend the money, honey. What are you convicted about? You say you're being silly. I just you're convicted? Are you are you a Heinz or a Hunt's ketchup person? Huh? Does it matter to you? It may not matter to you, but there's some things that you're convicted about, for sure. What are you convicted about when it comes to the Lord? Are you convicted? There's evidence. I'm convicted this is the Word of God because it's been proved over and over in my own life i believe in the historical accounts i believe in all of that and i believe this is the only revelation we need we have the revelation of the word of god and the holy spirit and that's all we need john macarthur's right i believe when he said this john macarthur the pastor and theologian of our day he said the bible is all that we need we don't need a new vision we don't need a new revelation we need not listen for a new voice from heaven the scriptures are complete as given and you see this is where the problem came in because a man named muhammad said he had a new vision did he not and who is muhammad he is the founder of the nation of islam you know what islam means submission He said, I have a new vision. One guy, one man. How about, you ever heard of Charles Taft Russell, founder of the Mormons? New vision. You ever heard of Joseph Smith, Jehovah's Witnesses, found all those golden plates up in upper upper state New York? I got a new vision. You ever heard of David Koresh? Remember that deal down in Texas? You ever heard of Jim Jones? They drank the Kool-Aid, didn't they? Oh, be careful when you got somebody saying they got some new vision And it goes outside of Scripture. Be careful. Listen, we can be convicted by way of the Word of God because it's been proved over and over again. But it's hard when we face things in our lives we've never seen before, isn't it? The new test comes. (laughs) I'm going to show you a picture. Here's a, let me ask you something. Would you cross this bridge? That is a footbridge in the country of Laos. And I would say to you, that's a lousy footbridge in Laos. Would you cross that thing? Joel, me and you, dude, we're going to cross. Joel goes, yeah, you walk across it first, brother. You come back and get me. Right? Right? Hey, let me ask you something. Would you cross that footbridge if when you walked up to it, Jesus was standing there and he said, come go with me? Yeah, I would, because it wouldn't matter, would it? See, it's not the footbridge. It's not your circumstance that looks kind of shaky and jittery. It's who you're walking across with. It's the object of your faith. Our faith isn't in the bridge. It's in Jesus who's standing at the bridge, you see. So we can trust not our circumstances, not the things in life that we struggle to see how we're going to cross. We can place our full weight on Jesus. Have you done that? Have you placed your trust in him listen Christian you can trust Jesus are you it's easy to begin to mistrust Jesus isn't it do you ever have doubts sure you do where do you think the doubts come from who said this to Eve in the garden of Eden did God say Satan And so Satan wants to drag you through doubts. He wants you to look at your circumstances, and he wants you to begin to doubt God. Satan wants you to doubt the faithfulness of God. You don't have to doubt the faithfulness of God. We were just singing about that. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. I got a place in the Father's house. So do you if you know him. That's assurance. That's our foundation. That's conviction, like my Duke's mayonnaise. Look at the last part of verse verse 1, Hebrews 11, 1. See those last three words? Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It's the stuff we can't see that scares us, right? The great missionary to China, China Inland Missions, missionary Oswald Sanders said these words. Faith, see it? Faith enables the believing soul to trust the future as present and the invisible as seen. You like that? I like that. Faith enables the believing soul to trust the future as as it's like right now, and yet you haven't seen it yet. You know what I thought of when I read that? Pavlov's dog. You remember old Pavlov's dog? You studied this in school. You remember old Pavlov? He had a dog. See, top left, and he brought his dog, and he put the food out there for him, and the dog salivated. And then Pavlov took away the food, but he rung a bell top right. Dog didn't salivate because he didn't see the food. But then Pavlov, bottom left, brought the food, rung the bell, and the dog salivated. So that when he then only rung the bell bottom right, and even though he didn't bring the food, Pavlov's dog... (laughs) Why? Expectation. Pavlov expected it to come hey listen to me listen to me sometimes sometimes we're like the dog god is like pavlov and he's saying look i'm ringing the bell the provision's coming you're just gonna have to trust me until then some of you are hearing the bell right now and you're not seeing the provision you don't know yet but listen you listen you can trust in god you can trust what he's done for you in the past that he his timing is perfect He knows what he's doing. He's got a plan. It doesn't matter what your future holds. It doesn't matter what, I mean, you say, yes, it does. It's my future. I get that. But you understand that it doesn't matter how rickety the bridge looks. As long as Jesus is going to be there to take us across the bridge, even if the bridge crumbles and falls, he's going with us. He saves us and protects us and provides no matter what we go through in life. And that brings me comfort. I hope it does you. And I hope you feel shh. Your faith growing right now, at this moment. Faith. How many times has God rung the bell in your life and not provided? Never. Because he's faithful. And you see, church, when we trust him, think about your future right now. I'll be honest with you. When I think about my future sometimes in my flesh, it causes me fear. I wonder about stuff too. I wonder about all kinds of things. And doesn't that happen at night? golly you wake up in the middle of the night and all of a sudden there's this thought comes to your mind and you're just then gripped with fear and terror where do you think that's coming from satan to bring doubt you know what you have to do you know what we have to do we have to take those thoughts captive take them grab hold of them and by faith kick them out of our brain say doesn't matter i know that bridge looks rickety i know that, that that looks rough but i'm trusting jesus there's something about saying the name of Jesus even in the middle of the night. Just whisper his name, Jesus. Jesus. Just see him. Just, just, just picture Jesus in your face, how, how you see him. You know, brown eyes, brown hair, brown beard. See him. Robe, sandals, belt. You just see him. Just hear him say, I got you. And his spirit bears witness with your spirit. Trust. That's faith. See, the Bible says that we please him when we show faith. See the screens. We're going to get to this next week. This is Hebrews eleven six. 6. Watch this. Actually, in two weeks with Enoch. And without faith, it is impossible to please him who? God. For whoever would draw would, would, that's on you, it's on me, would. Whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Are you drawing near to God today? Your faith is not going to grow if you're not drawing near to God. If you're not seeking and pursuing God, your faith is not going to grow. And Satan loves that because he wants you to back away from God. He wants you to get away from the things of God. He doesn't want you to read the Bible. He doesn't want you to pray. He doesn't want you to come to church. And he wants to keep you in doubt. And how is that? Misery. 'Cause you're like a like a tin can being dragged behind. You know the car that has just married on the back. And they still tie the tin cans to the back, and that's just, that's just it's just beating you to death. Cut the string in faith. So I'm not going to go through that. I'm going to trust the Lord by faith, and power comes into your life. And this is what Paul is going to use to describe to these first century believers. He's going to actually point them back to their faith. He's going to point back to the Old Testament. He's going to point back to some of these, these ancients of old, some of their forefathers, their ancestors. And we're going to see this over the next 10 weeks. Because we're going to see verse 2 lived out. Look at verse 2 in your Bibles. Hebrews eleven two. for by it, by what? Faith, the people of old received their commendation, just like Abraham. They were commended, like we were congratulating the graduates up here. We were commending them for what they've done, what they've accomplished. And now we're going to see over the next several weeks, we're going to see the faith of Abel next week, and then Enoch, and then Noah, and Abraham, and Sarah, and on and on for the next 10 weeks. You know, speaking of Noah, just for for a brief moment, we'll get to Noah in a couple of weeks, about three weeks, but I want you to see this. (laughs) Noah took God at his word. God told Noah, build a boat, 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet tall, put three decks in it, and build it. What did Noah do? He built it. You know how long it took him? 120 years. You know where he's building it? In a desert. (laughs) Can you imagine the people coming by? Noah hired people. We're convinced of that. Noah hired people to come work on his his deal. And probably the people that worked on the deal said, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. This guy, my employer, is a moron. But he pays me, so I keep coming. (laughs) Hey, Noah, what are you doing? Um, Well, it's going to rain. What's that? It never rained. Uh, It's this liquid. It's water. It falls from the sky. Yeah, right. Yeah. Moron. What an idiot. Isn't that what people will call us when we take God at his word a lot? Listen, I remember when God was calling me into the ministry. That was a big step of faith for me. And I even told some folks that was very near and dear to me what God was doing. And they looked at me like this what? They looked at me like I had four heads, like I had lost my mind. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Kevin. You've been in the business world for 16 years. You have worked yourself up to a place of, of great stature, and you're making a lot of money. What are you doing? Let me tell you something. When God tells you to do something, you do it. It doesn't matter how crazy it is. And sometimes people that you're very near and dear to, they'll look at you like you're crazy. You know that's how Noah had to feel? How many people got on the ark? Just Noah, his wife, his three sons, and their wives. Noah was apparently a horrible preacher. He convinced nobody. Dukes would never have him selling mayonnaise. It's not Noah's problem, is it? It's the people's problem. They didn't believe. Noah believed. You think Noah ever doubted? The Bible doesn't say. But I believe in his humanity. He could have. He could have got up several mornings of those 120 years and go, man, man, I sure hope this all is going to work out like he said it was. Because this is getting old. Are you hanging in there like Noah? Maybe you feel like you're in a desert right now and building a boat at that. And people looking at you like you're nuts. Hang in there by faith. On conviction. You keep going. You do what God has told you to do. The Bible says, Do not be weary in doing the right thing, for in due season you'll reap a harvest if you don't give up. Galatians 6, 9. And that brings us to verse 3. Here you have the Holy Spirit leading the Apostle Paul to go back and commend the ancients of old for their faith. And what he's going to do, Paul is, we're going to see it in a moment, he goes all the way back to the beginning because he talks about it in the beginning. And that reminds us of where we've been on Wednesday nights because we've been talking about Genesis, the beginning. That's where we're going to go next week. And our study in Hebrew is going to go all the way back to Genesis to Abel. And, and, and just so that you'll know, this week, you know, we have service on Wednesday night at 630. Wednesday night we're going to be asking the question, was Adam a caveman? Because if you try to take Adam, the creation account, and marry it up with evolution, then you would have to believe that Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel look like this. Adam, Eve, Cain, and Abel, right? Huh? So what's this deal with prehistoric man? What is this? Cro-Magnon man, Neanderthal man, Peking man, Nebraska man. What is all this? Java man. You come on Wednesday night, we're going to talk about it. I'm going to tell you something. That ain't how Adam and Eve looked. That ain't how Cain and Abel looked. Adam was made in the image of God, not the image of a monkey. And Adam was perfect, perfect DNA. You cannot, you cannot marry evolution with the creation account. And that's why so many people today are jettisoning. They're they're getting rid of Adam. They no longer believe in a historical Adam. They say that's all allegory. You come Wednesday night. We'll talk about it. Now look at verse 3, because this, this ties into it. Okay, ready? Verse 3, Hebrews 11, 3. By faith, by faith, we understand that the universe was created by the Big Bang, right? Wh- which, which is it? Uh, is it 13.1 billion years ago, 13.4, or 13.8? Because you Google it. Some of you are on your cell phone right now. That's cool. You're looking at your Bible app. I got it. <laughs> How is everybody on Instagram? Tell them, hey. <laughs> No, sorry. Okay, so you Google the Big Bang and see how many dates you get. I thought science was to be exact, is it not? Isn't science supposed to be repeatable? Is it not? Hey, let me ask you something. Let me ask you something. Gravity. Ready? What goes up must come. Because of what? Gravity. That's scientific. It's repeatable. Watch. Watch. (laughs) So you're being silly. No, I'm not. I'm just telling you, you cannot repeat the beginning. They've tried in test tubes. They've tried and they can't. Then they never will. Because there was only one person who was in the beginning. God. And so, if you go to the front of your Bible and you go to Genesis 1-1, if you can get these four words in, The, beginning, God, you're good to go. But if you can't get good with those first four words, the rest of it will never make sense to you. It's by faith. The Bible describes in Hebrews 11:3 by faith, we understand that the universe was created by the, notice that, the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. God did not use his hands. God did not use tools. He spoke it, and it came into being. God said, let there be light, and there was light out of nothing. Do you know that phrase? Ex nihilo. Have you seen this phrase before? See it on the screen. Ex nihilo. It's a Latin phrase that means out of nothing, and that's exactly what we just read in verse three. God made the He made the heavens, the earth, and the universe. Everything out of nothing. He spoke everything into existence, and so that's why we trust His word. We trust His word, and that's why Satan always attacks His word. That's why Satan said to Eve, "Did God?" trust him trust his word you know church i could spend another hour and you wouldn't want to be here and be honest with you i don't either talking about evolution but i do want to say this you can go back and many of you've told us and i'm grateful that the genesis is history wednesday night series has been good so you can you can go online and you can see those messages you can Watch them and all that. That'll be great. Now, here's something else, and we're doing this now starting tomorrow with the Sunday messages. Did did you know that tomorrow you can go to Spotify and you can type in Mount Pleasant Baptist Church and you can hear today's message on Spotify? How about that? So if this message meant anything or you want to share that with somebody, you can tell them, hey, go to Spotify, pull it up and listen to it. Use this as a tool for evangelism. That would be a pretty cool thing. I'm so grateful for Jacob and Justin and all the work that goes into making all this stuff happen. It's just we're trying to continue to find ways. Paul said go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in. And Spotify is out there in the highways and hedges. And so we keep going. So here's the bottom line. Faith. Is it blind faith? No, it's not blind faith. Let, let me say this about this whole idea of, of the Big Bang and trying to rationalize all this with the Big Bang. Um, <laughs> No scientist with integrity can say that the Big Bang or Darwin's theory of evolution is scientific because it's not staying the same. The theory of evolution today is not the same theory as it was even 10 years ago because it's no longer static. They don't agree on the number of years of when the bang happened. They no longer now even agree about this whole idea of prehistoric man. They keep digging up bones and they go, oh, well, that disproves that. It's the Australopithecus, that, that disproves what we see, what we found in the Philippines three weeks ago uh, back in, in uh, late April that they found on the island of Luzon in the Philippines. And it keeps contradicting. It always will because you're making stuff up. They're taking, the evolutionists are taking the leap of blind faith. It takes more faith to believe that everything got here from a bang, from a one-celled organism, from goo to you by way of the zoo, than it does to believe that God created us. I'm telling you, these people that believe in this stuff, they got more faith than I got. And I will tell you, it's blind faith. It's not scientific, because scientific has got to be repeatable. To study something scientifically means that you've got to be able to observe it and by way of experiment, repeat it. But people try to get rid of God, don't they? And to get rid of God, they need a way to explain Him away so that they'll no longer be accountable to anyone. And that way, every man does that which is right in his own eyes. Listen, and we're done. By faith. Not blind faith, but by reason faith—faith faith that Jesus has given you, faith that will help you walk across rickety footbridges by faith that has been increased today. Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. It's grown. I hope by faith you'll be pumped up, and your faith will be as a solid foundation like a well-built home. Faith that gives you assurance and conviction, like my mayonnaise, Dukes, please faith dear church family that will give you power to walk into the unknown like superman i thought about having jacob just play that music dun 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 Listen, we're better than Superman. We're better than Rocky Balboa running the steps in Philadelphia. We're children of God. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. And I got a room in the Father's house. And it doesn't matter what comes in this life. Yes, it doesn't matter what comes in this life. By faith, we'll get through it. And we can go through it, not with a down attitude, not with a woe is me attitude. But enjoy, even in the midst of the unknown, because we look to Jesus and who is Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith.: Thank you for joining us for today's message. Find us at www.mpbc.church and on Facebook at facebook.com/MPBCNC. Have a great day, and we hope you'll join us again next week.